Welcome back to the Trees and Nylon podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Gorp. I am your host, Trees and Nylon, but you can call me Trees. And I am joined today by a man who looks like he was ripped straight off of the cover of an erotica novel and the head of global creative at the North Face. It is Tim Hamilton. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Of course. <laughs> um, well, for all those who are unfamiliar, uh, the Trees and Nylon podcast is all about trees and also nylon. So my question for you, Tim, at the very top, would you like to talk about trees or nylon first? Oh boy. Um, let's go, let's go nature first. Uh, all right. Let's hit up the trees. trees. Yes, sir. So starting with trees, um, talk to me a little bit about your past with trees. Oh, and I, I didn't mention this also, but we go through a past, present and future progression with, uh, your relationship with both the subjects. That's those are people who haven't listened. This is the first episode. So I just gotta you know, I'll treat it like it's the first episode. That's a good that's a, my marketing tip for anyone who okay. wants to start a podcast. Um <laughs> yeah so tell me a little bit about your past with nature uh just growing up around it. Yeah. Well I, I like the um the trees narrative. So why don't we mm-hmm. cut to that? I mean I, I, <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in okay very flat state of Iowa. No, no uh. disrespect. Um, <laughs> but as far as like nature outings and whatnot, obviously there's a lot of produced farmland, but it wasn't really top of mind the way I grew up. I mean, I think we just found ways to um, engage, but, you know, growing up in a competitive landscape with six brothers and sisters, oh, wow. um, I had to, um, participate in more competitive sports, not so much, uh, nature, uh, escapes. And I Mm. think, um, what really brought me into, you know, the importance of being outside was probably more of my journey as I, I lived in New York and the intensity Mm. of living in a city and needing that balance of an outlet. So I would go upstate a lot, do a lot of activities when I lived in New York, um, in that regard. And then, mm-hmm. you know, for me, like I, I, I had started when I first started in design, I was at Ralph Lauren and, um, some of the, the lines we worked on were called polo sport or polo sportsman. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that kind of predates a little bit of this athleisure movement, but it was about, you know, big logos and active wear that had style, filters um from the ralph point of view and Mm. so i i got to express and work on a lot of um outdoor activities through working at ralph from a concept level so i would go to australia and like oh wow cover the olympics i would go to um you know upstate or vermont and cover Mm. snowboarding or mountain biking and you know a lot of these outdoor activities were connected with a a style forward approach with Ralph and some of that Ralph movement probably predates a lot of, you know, your younger audience, but (laughs) you know, the school of Ralph was a, was a good uh, learning experience because it it gave you um, intent of how you bring things to life and also think about the full head to toe kind of approach. And, you know, there's always that saying no performance without style in a lot of brands. And I think, um, (laughs) 
there is an importance to that because I think, you know, with the movement of outdoor and how it's grown and how it's influenced, you know, not just technical and athletes and, you know, contemporary uh, mindsets who love the outdoors, it, it, it's brought itself into other worlds through um, sportswear and fashion. So I think, anyway, just to capture <laughs> some of that and get back to the topic, um, yeah, Gula Ralph was a great experience to kind of balance some of that. But yeah, my escapism in nature was um, started in New York and then gradually, like I just got fed up with living in the city in the grind and the fashion schedule and calendar that I wanted to experience something of more of a balance and more utilitarian as far as how I designed kind of back to my roots. And, um, yeah, we, I, we picked up and moved to, uh, British Columbia, lived in Vancouver. And, um, that's where I really got connected to trees. Like I've never seen so anything so majestic as far as like, you know, the, the Cascadia forest and, what you see there it's just it's so invigorating and you go into these um moments even if it's just like an hour trail run or walk or hike they're in the the forests are in your backyard there and you know that whole forest bathing concept which um comes out of japan is is something that i kind of studied a little bit and took with me but there's just such a return um to the importance of how nature affects your mind and influences you and inspires you and just reconnects you to your, your purpose. Wow. <laughs> okay. You've touched on a couple of things that I've been holding my tongue on first. Okay. Okay. I don't worry. I, I have, I took mental notes first uh, in Iowa. What is there to do? Because if it, if it's, I was um, born in Missouri and I go back there uh, oh. somewhat often and there's not a ton because it's an extremely flat state uh, as far as like hiking goes it's a lot more walking than it is hiking are yep. there any like mountains probably not like nope. is the no same is the same more like do people get outside to, they do like biking or something because i know in missouri there's a lot of biking i mean i haven't been back in so long but yes there i think um you know i think yeah you you think about activities outdoors would be there was a lot of um i yeah i guess biking like <laughs> paths like hiking paths but they're very you know they're not you know any type of elevation or gain but mm. yeah I, I would i guess i would describe the nature scene very like flat but i'm sure there's beautiful parts to it it's just you know um there's no um elevation elevation or sea and you know it's you're you're kind of landlocked yeah so exactly and i'm not saying you can't find great things to do but i know there's a lot of horseback riding i remember going fishing a lot the, yeah I both of those the, sound right the all state fishery oh wow I think, <laughs> when i was like <laughs> i don't know 10 or something but i think it was rigged because they, they put all these fish in a man-made pond and like how how could you not win but um but yeah was it, it like a competition it, between you and a bunch of people fishing out of the same pond or yes yes okay well hey you just we'll, we'll call it luck but also you know you have yeah. to have a little bit of skill to be able to fish you gotta reel them in well it's the older brother syndrome like that i was taught very well from them so yeah there you go 
Nice. Um, the second part, you mentioned moving up to New York. Uh, how old were you when you moved out of Iowa? Uh, when I left school, um, kind of broke away um, mm. around 22, 23. And uh, yeah, that was a good time. Like New York was mm. a, is a, a, a important part of my life. And I, I consider myself a New Yorker because I, I lived there for a little over 20 years. Yeah. Um, I have never been, I've never been upstate in New York. I've only ever been to New York city. Um, I've heard of how pretty it is and I've seen pictures. And I think some people on here have talked about like some of the areas that go to upstate, but uh, the closest I've been to something like that is I went to Maine. I went to Acadia. um, Was that? Yeah. Last year. So I've, I've seen somewhat of, yeah, I've seen somewhat of what the, I believe the landscape looks like, but not fully experienced it myself. Yeah, no, it's um, it's bigger than you would think. You know, you, of course, the city is the city, but mm-hmm. there's a lot to explore in New York. And, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, New York City is just a small island, basically. The uh, Manhattan, at least, is just like a small little portion of New York that people don't really when they I, don't, I mean me personally when i think of new york i think of the city i don't think of like the vastness that is the state which is mostly yeah. like countryside and farms and stuff like that well no you got you got two big mountain ranges upstate too you got the catskills mm-hmm. and then you got the adirondacks so mm-hmm. i think um and th- there's just so much um you know, you get all these New Yorkers that have lived in the city or whatever, and they go to these towns and there's like great curation. There's great hiking and mm. beautiful homes. And, you know, it's, it's very different than say the Hamptons, which is a different sort of approach to escapism um, yeah. that I entertain, but it was never my thing. So um, unless you can make it to Montauk, but Montauk has changed tremendously, but it used to be a bit more like, you know, fisherman's port and a bit more mm-hmm. mellow and escape the the city people. Um, but yeah, upstate's great. Nice. Hamptons is more like beachside, right? It is. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit, um, it's a bit like New Yorker that you probably don't hang out with as much. <laughs> we'll be there on the weekend. It gets a bit congested and okay, different vibe, but yeah. Yeah. Some- that just younger, like, maybe i don't know yeah it's kind of like that the beach vibe and from what i'm seeing on the internet like very rich <laughs> rich beach vibe versus kind of like upstate is more of like a i'm getting like a massachusetts like new england kind of vibe from looking at pictures of upstate new york you know yeah i you know, know. I, I mean rolling hills little little cities i don't I, I think it's a bit more gritty like upstate it's less uh it's less dreamscape and more um just i don't know i think there's a there's a gritty part to upstate compared to some of the other states Mm -hmm. i think it's less um populated maybe in some of these smaller towns upstate so i like it i think it's it's a great place to really go off grid and escape um but the hamptons yeah i I wouldn't even describe (laughs) it as beach i would just describe it as kind of yeah it's it's money and it's that's part of it but you know, there's ways to find, find your path. Even if, you know, you're on a lower salary, you can find ways to mm-hmm. get out to these places and, you know, still get the escapism and, you know, the rewards that you get from leaving the city. You can find ways to do that. 
got to be yeah. creative. <laughs> got to know the right people, be creative. If um, only the U.S. had a rail system that was uh, <laughs> efficient, that would just be great. <laughs> I know, right? Um, that would be wonderful. You know, I, 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 I've had another a, podcast. Yeah, I've had on a few people talking about um, one guy was from Manchester and he said, you know, it's just like a 30 minute train from Manchester out to uh, the Peak District maybe like I believe it's a peak district and it's just like, yeah, you can just take the train straight from the city to the countryside and just go on a hike and then take the train back at night. It's like, dang, that is just so cool. I really wish I had access to that, you know, but yeah. uh, alas, here we are. They have that here in Denver. Um, they do? I'm in Colorado now. So yeah, yeah, there's a train that goes out and it uh, takes you out to the mountain range and it stays there for the day. So you basically get, mm. get up in the morning and then you take it back um very cool even it's great for avoiding some of the traffic here it can get mm-hmm. a little congested but um yeah i uh i remember when i was i went to the rocky mountains back 2019 probably and we rented a car me and my mom went we rented a car but like we just saw all the shuttles running around um which was very weird i didn't even know they had that shuttles that would go from you know destination to destination inside the park and outside the park in i can't remember what the name of the um the little winter town park. is yeah winter park um it just you know it shuttles people in and out of the park to different big destinations big hikes stuff like that or estes park that's what it was estes park yeah oh yeah uh, yeah no it's great it's very cool. I love, I, I remember seeing um, in the news a while ago that they said they were going to start doing something like that for other big parks like Yellowstone, but I don't think they ever got completed. No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. I haven't heard any news if they have, but anywho, that is your pass with trees kind of evolving to lots of different areas. Um, what has been like your favorite place that you've been just on all your travels? Um, favorite place. Wow. We'll say, we'll say favorite place for, uh, the outdoor aspect of it. I'd have to say I'm, I find, um, Cascadia, that whole Mm. British Columbia range just so incredible. Like I, I'm just still moved by, you know, how much to explore. Mm-hmm. and vancouver island and tofino and mm. you know, whistler i mean there's just so much there it's just uh it's pretty pretty spectacular <laughs> um i don't know if you've been up there but it's i have not the closest i've oh, been is well, uh you know glacier national park and all that stuff up in montana which is stunning too, but mm-hmm. there's something about the drive from Vancouver to say Whistler, see the sky, they call it. Um, mm-hmm. You, you see like, you know, the water and you see the mountains and you see the snow caps. It's just like, I mean, it's remarkable. So I'd have to say mm-hmm. that area for sure. Nice. That is, I mean, that's definitely on the list on uh, like Calgary, Banff, Vancouver, all that area has all been, on my mind, but I've never actually gone to do it. But that, like I've said on here before that that whole like Pacific Northwest Rocky mountain um, landscape is just my favorite that I've seen in the world. So I'd have to agree with you on that. I can't say the exact same, same place, but you know, glacier, Yellowstone, Tetons, that vibe, you know, it's just amazing. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I've been out to the Tetons last year and that was pretty incredible too. I, yeah, but I guess what I like about Vancouver is that you can have a little bit of the city, it's international mm-hmm. and then you can get, like, you can get into the local mountains in a half hour. There's like three local mountains and then you can go up, you know, to Whistler and even go up further. Like, I mean, there's just so much um, to explore there for, um, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite places. Like. I'd love to get back up there one day. I'd love to get up there just like in general. <laughs> I mean, um, it's a must, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe Taco will listen to this and he should pay for your trip up there. From <laughs> art. That'd be sick. That would be sick. Hey, yeah, I'll just, I'll find someone up there. I know Arcteryx is located in Vancouver. So maybe I'll just do an in-person interview with someone from Arcteryx. And that- <laughs> that's what I said. I don't know if you know Taco, but hit him up next. Um, I do not. Oh, what's his uh, Instagram handle? I think it's just Taka. Let me see. Uh, yeah, Taka. I'll send it to you. Taka. Oh, Kasuga? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm aware of this person. I'm not following him, but now I am. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a great guy. Shout out Taka. I'll, I'll hit him up soon after I get through my list of people that I need to talk to. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Uh, so moving on to your present yeah. with trees, what's, what's the outdoor schedule looking like right now for Tim? Outdoor schedule for Tim. Um, well, we live in Colorado, so we have a lot of um, opportunities to get out there, but some of the journeys take more than, two or three hours. So I like to spend mm-hmm. a day or two if I can, but there's the, the range here is just the mountain range is so different here. And it's kind of incredible. Like if you go to Aspen, you get all these different sort of, um, the mountains, the landscape is very like sharp and kind of pointed, mm-hmm. um, very intimidating, but beautiful. And it almost feels like you're in, I don't know, more of a European mountain mm-hmm. range. Um, okay. but yeah, Aspen, Cresta Buke, um uh telluride's freaking amazing i mean it's all they're all beautiful like (laughs) mountain towns um so yeah there's a lot to explore in in colorado but i also like doing um just road trips around the southwest region here like going to Mm. utah or even to your point going up to wyoming and i haven't been up to montana yet but living in this part of the, the States has opened up opportunities to just take incredible road trips that you'd never take, you know, like yeah, if you just ease of access on, for you, you know, exactly. Yeah. You just pack your car up and, you know, just go on a, a long road trip journey. And like, literally when you cross the state and go to Utah, it's like a different planet. Mm-hmm. Um, because and, of the Mormons. <laughs> You said it. No, um, no, just the, <laughs> the, the way, um, the nature scape, like the, the coloring of the rocks and yeah, the real um, rock. It's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, and then even New Mexico, like what a stunning mm-hmm. place. Like, I don't know if you've been to New Mexico, but like the I drive have. down the center. Yeah. That, New Mexico and Arizona. Yeah. If you go down there, like Santa Fe and you like, your elevation is pretty high, but you can see like the 
clarity in the sky and the colors. Mm. And you can see why, I don't know if you know the artist, Georgia O'Keeffe, but yeah, you, you could see what inspired her and how it triggered yeah. her sense of um, capturing, you know, sky light and it's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah. I, um, I, I actually lied. I have not been to New Mexico. I have been to Arizona. Um, I thought that Sedona was in no, New Mexico. Those are different states. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I thought Sedona was in Arizona. Sedona is spectacular too. It is. But yeah, it's it's got, truly amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I used to go there back in the day and I just went recently and it hasn't changed mm. at all. And I think it's awesome. The vortex, you feel it, you feel the energy <laughs> in that. I don't know if you follow any of that, but I don't get too deep into it. But I remember mm. just this last trip, we stayed around there and it was, just, it was very healing. Um, mm. but beautiful hiking and, uh, yeah, red rocks hiking and that kind of path is mm. also incredible. Um, I think Sedona is interesting cause, um, so we went, my family did a, we did a joint trip. We went Grand Canyon and Sedona. And honestly, I think everyone in my family liked Sedona better than the Grand Canyon. Um, just cause the town and like the community, and kind of like the hospitality of the people in Sedona was just so amazing. It just made the experience so much better that you have these amazing hikes on the mesas and the plateaus and all that. Um, overlooking a lot of greenery, which I didn't expect, but it is like pretty green down there. Um, and then you have uh, just like great food, fun people. And then the Grand Canyon is kind of just like, you know, it's a national park and it's beautiful. It's obviously stunning, but it's just, it didn't hit the same. I, I don't know. It just didn't hit the same for me. I don't know if you have the same experience, but. Yeah. Yeah. And no, uh, I, I've heard that. And I think that I, I've done a little bit of Grand Canyon, but I haven't done it in a way where it's, um, you know, I haven't camped there or anything, but yeah, I've heard like people just are so moved by Sedona and just, yeah. So you're right there. It's, it's, it's similar vibes. There's some beautiful hikes there that, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's an incredible place. Red rock is truly stunning stuff, especially if you're not used to it. Like me, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, so that is your current schedule moving on to the future. Is there any place you'd like to go to, uh, any hike around you you'd like to do specifically, um, again, focused on the outdoor aspect of it all. You know, I'd love to go into like, God, what's the name in Norwegian? Uh, there's some great areas there. Like I've been to Iceland, but like mm -hmm. even going into um, Norway, um, that whole region, I haven't really explored. So I've, I've always been wanting to go mm. um, some of the areas up there. Maybe I need to hit up Patrick for that. I was going to say, yeah, he's from Oslo. So go ahead and hit up that Norwegian guy. Yeah. <laughs> get some good get some nice hikes in there the whole scandinavia area is super awesome and iceland as well that is that's a bucket list place for sure yeah iceland's like again another planet and it's um i highly recommend it just do it on your own don't do any of those tourist packages or group yeah efforts just that's like, how i roll already don't yeah. worry about me okay i won't um <laughs> yeah just uh explore on your own there because you could do the whole island but you don't it's very safe and I think it's more discovery to do with less people. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel a lot as a child and my parents, um, my parents never 
used uh, travel agencies or anything like that. They kind of just, you know, made their own plans based on like TripAdvisor and Yelp and stuff like that. So I've, I've taken that to heart and I, I don't think I'll ever become a travel agent package kind of guy myself. You know, I feel like you learn a lot more about it when you do that too. Like I'm going to Hawaii in um, June and I'm just, you know, I'm learning a lot about the culture. I'm learning about the people and all that good stuff as I'm also learning about places to go and what kind of foods to eat and where I'd like to see and all that. So you, I feel like you appreciate it more when you do that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, anywhere else besides Norway? Uh, I mean, it'd be great to do an Arctic trip that is mm. purpose led. You know, I think, um, we work some, with some amazing athletes to do these incredible expeditions for science or for um, environmental causes. And I, I was like, gosh, I wish I could go on that with them. Um, what type of fitness level do I need to be in? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's probably very intense. Yeah, but it, there's also ways to do it where, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so an Antarctica trip would be amazing um so yeah mm. i've traveled a lot but yeah i think norway i mean if you've traveled all that much <laughs> you're trying to get cold uh, yeah i think i'm not i just did a like a warm getaway just to escape a little bit of this city winter yeah um but i love i love going on adventure trips for vacation and just kind of wow it's hard to get antarctica though I don't know if I can do that. I get cold pretty easily. I don't know if I'd be down for an Antarctic trip. Get you in a him suit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. What's it like down there? I, I assume there's lots of mountain ranges and stuff, but honestly, I have I probably I'm not the wrong person to ask, but I mean, I've, <laughs> I'm watching documentaries and whatnot. Like, obviously, there's a uh-huh. you're on the boat most of the time, and you're just observing and. Um, yeah, I think it is cold, but I think there's times of the year where it's not as um, intense. But yeah, just the 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 way the ocean looks and just the the nature and environment of you know how that shows up could be another new experience to see. I think I've I've heard many great things, but also you know if there's any kind of purpose caused to it to bring awareness um, to anything. You can do it about um, something about like global warming. That's a good one for Antarctica. Well, of course, the ice sheets no, are melting. That's, exactly. That's that's where that's where a lot of the uh, athletes go with some um, environmentalists to study and see, mm-hmm. you know, give more hyper awareness. So yeah, yeah. Um, the average monthly temperature in the South Pole Station is negative eighteen Fahrenheit. And in winter, it's negative 76 Fahrenheit. When's the warm, the warmest is negative 18. And that's the South pole station. So I believe that's more in the interior. Okay. Um, okay, here we go. Summer temps can reach 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. That's on like the exterior closer to the equator. There you go. I mean, 50 isn't that bad. 50 is like, you know, it was decent... minus two here yesterday. So that is awful. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> what's what's the temperature today in colorado oh i don't know let me look um 
It is a big whopping 17 right now. That's insane. I we're experiencing spring already down here in Georgia. It's like 67 degrees right now, probably. Yeah, I envy you, but you know, I like <laughs> proper winter, but I don't like it to be brutally cold. Lasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a winter guy. I'll go there for vacation sometimes, but I'll, again, Antarctica might be a little out of my comfort zone as far as that goes. I think glacier, I think that like Pacific Northwest is kind of the perfect summer, summer, um, cold temperature, you know, of like fifties, sixties, somewhere in there. That's like a, that's like a nice medium for me. Yeah. But well, <laughs> moving, I think um, there's up. a saying there's a saying that I picked up from Vancouver living in Vancouver like they don't like snow in the city it only belongs in the mountains oh I like so, that I kind of agree with that because <laughs> when it's in the city it just turns into slush brown slush exactly yeah for me I will say just right above Antarctica New Zealand that is a place I would really like to go to um all over my mom has always told me new zealand is beautiful and i believe her but i've never had the experience to go i uh i went to australia and that was amazing but i just heard new zealand's kind of just like a different planet like you've been saying just so connected to nature and beautiful and pristine yeah no it's my niece lives there so i went to visit her about two years ago and it's remarkable it's the people food the culture nature um it's definitely worth the journey and spend more than 10 days try to go there for a month oh wow good to both islands yeah you should go there for a few years for a few years I mean, I mean, you hey. can do what you do. You can do what you do anywhere. No, <laughs> when the podcast takes off and I can afford to move. Oh, you're not getting um, paid for this. I'm getting paid <laughs> a little bit for this, but uh, I'm definitely not getting paid. Move to New Zealand money yet. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Well, um, <laughs> you know, my, my niece after school, she did that whole, what do they call it? Where you um, live on farms and you, you know, your trade is labor for, you know, your rent and food. So there are ways to do it, man. I think to our earlier point, you can be creative and go anywhere in the world. You just have to find creative ways to do it. Yeah, that is Don't true. Don't let money get in your way because you'll never do it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a very good point. And New Zealand looks like a very cool place. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, might, I might cut this from the episode, but the at this point in my life, it's looking like me having a successful podcast is more likely than me getting a nine to five job. So maybe I'll lean into that a little bit. <laughs> hey, I think, um, you know, you're onto something here and you're tapping into something you're passionate about. The money will come just, yeah, I'm trying my still, best. Yeah. You gotta, you, uh, you gotta path your way to find your ra- ways with the right network and you're doing it. Like you're connecting to you have no um, inhibitions. You're very uh, mm-hmm. proactive and um, persistent about talking to people. So <laughs> I can you see succeeding, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> succeeding and finding ways to connect with more people. And that's, it's a network thing. And mm-hmm. yeah. So I, thank you. I can already see that you have that fire. You So, well, just gotta, 
Just gotta light something else on fire. Gotta light a gotta light a big <laughs> check on fire and get that sent to me. <laughs> uh, need anyway. a check. <laughs> I'd like the check. The check would be useful. Um, my parents would be happy if I had the check. Um, <laughs> we can move on to uh, your. We already moved on to the future retreats, didn't we? Places you'd like to we go. Did. Yeah. Yeah. We can go ahead and jump on over to Nylon then. And um, the first one is talk to me a little bit about your past with clothing, how you came to be where you are, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I- kind of talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but I think mm-hmm. um, my first uh, design job was Ralph Lauren. And what got me to that was moving to New York with a lot of ideas of different things that I wanted to do. And I know I wanted, wanted to kind of be in this visual, stimulating, creative something you know whether it was Mm. writing or acting or photography or fashion wasn't the first and foremost thing that was top of mind for me i i I had an appreciation of like how i put myself together or how i dressed to like break out of you know what was my class growing up um and how do i look more with an individual approach and i remember when i was very young i was able to go to um to london and africa through um our mosque I, my mother was from lebanon from lebanon and we were raised muslim on her side so mm-hmm. we got to experience um you know culture in a different way than most of our friends um yeah, growing in up. iowa i would assume in in iowa, iowa, there's not a yeah huge, we were very unique in that way population um, no, not a big Lebanese or Muslim population for sure. Very foreign to everyone. But anyway, the that in itself like kind of guided me into like seeing the world in a different, you know, filter than growing up in Iowa. And I knew I had to just, you know, go after that. And um yeah, London was kind of my trigger of like, how can I do something, you know, in that creative lens and how do I bring myself to um find what that path is so yeah uh moved to new york with a lot of ideas but the first job i approached was to work at the ralph store which was um double rl at the time and uh, i think that's still around or they bring it back and forth but i believe it's around yeah i've heard people talking about it i don't know if it's vintage though at this point yeah i think i think they still have elements of it i don't know if they have freestanding stores but it Anyway, it was very of like, it was kind of post grunge, but it was about vintage replication and, you know, incredible washes on things. And, um, this style felt great. I mean, it was about just appreciating quality and, um, you know, head to toe, uh, Ralph and, you know, they're the Ralph world. So, I would say my first experience was working there. And then I worked a lot with Ralph and team coming into the store and worked in different departments throughout Ralph and um, in that year span. And within a year, I got offered an internship to work in design. Um, Wow. So did you go to New York just to go there? And then you found this job just by luck or by searching? 
by work. Where'd you go there with the plan? I mean, by work and needing money like you. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I went to New York without having a clear like path or I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be a designer. Or I'm going to be a photographer. Mm. I'm going to be a writer. Just something creative. I just wanted to do something creative. So I was studying acting and I applied for this job in retail at Ralph to get me money to pay the rent. And from that, I just experienced the Ralph's world and they embraced how I looked and put things together and started merchandising and becoming the top sales guy without unbeknownst to me. Mm-hmm. And I just learned a lot about design and craft and importance, importance of intent of, you know, execution on what you build or your point of view. And um, that school just working in the retail, which I highly recommend for anyone who wants to get into the, the industry to have that experience. I mean, there's mm-hmm. less kind of roles like that now but um yeah and then yeah the internship just uh was great because they they offered me some classes at parsons school of design and also just to work daily and you know how a concept and they trusted my taste level to go out and shop the market on the vintage markets and performance side and make garments and concept things it was all um, very, uh, trusting, you know, and I, I was so young and they were sending me off to, you know, all these different yeah. countries to research and build concepts. And I just felt, wow, I think I found my path here because, um, I can create these many, these many worlds, you know, through the art of building product. And, um, yeah, that was very rewarding. Great learning wow. experience. That is pretty crazy. Um, to answer your earlier question about if there are double RL stores, I, I see one in New York, like a true double uh, RL. And then there's a bunch of Ralph Lauren stores that also just sell it. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know what, what they carry, what the stock is like, but there's one in Brooklyn. Oh, well, there you go. It's still around head out to Brooklyn, go, go check it out. It's really cool. It's, it's a very, almost like, um, capital or vis vim, you know, like Americana style clothing. You know what I mean? And I don't know who inspired who in that regard, but I would assume WRL inspired them, um, to kind of make the same vintage Americana type clothing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to your current, your current, uh, situation with clothing, uh, working for a brand, what kind of, what kind of clothes are you into nowadays? What's, what's your style like? Mm. What is my style like? Well, I think as you kind of define who you are and what you do, you become more embedded in kind of a uniform, um, as far as like your color choices or what you wear, but I tend to be a bit more now that I've worked at North Face for over four years and mm-hmm. have left New York now. I guess it's a total of two. My God, <laughs> six and a half years. Wow. wow. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I'm. There's a casual aspect, but there's a quality aspect. So I'm I'm not gonna you know turn my head against something that has quality and the price might be high, but I like this mix of technicity and natural, if you will. So mm-hmm. I don't know, today I have on like a technical 
type of hiking slash jogger pant, but I'm wearing it to work with, um, Oh my God. I think these are like old acne hiking boots, but, and then, um, I have a natural wool sweater on, you know, so it's like okay. that, that, uh, balance of nature, trees and trees and nylon, I'm basically wearing <laughs> trees go. and nylon. Yeah, I have, that's what it is. I have a, that's what it's all about. a natural wool sweater and nylon pants. So, um, Beautiful. yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's function, it's tech, it's technicity, it's, um, mm-hmm. versatile, I don't know. I, I don't have to pour a bunch of words into something where I'm just wearing a, a sweater and a pair of nylon pants. But at the end of the day, I would say my style represents uh, an ease, but function and um, versatility. And I, I tend to stay pretty muted in my palette, but I do like a vis- visibility color here and okay. there. Even if I'm yeah. on the mountain or if I'm like in the city, I like a, a vis pop. Um mm-hmm. What kind of viz pop are you going for? Because me, I, I still like you see, I'm wearing like an Oxblood, um, Oxblood Uniqlo U uh, long sleeve shirt. It's really good. I'm not sponsored. It's just a nice shirt. Um, it looks purple. It does look purple. It's it's <laughs> it doesn't translate, but it's Oxblood. That's what the website calls it. Um, oh, okay. okay. Uh, this is like a pop I, of color for me, and it's still like a very that's a dark pop of color. It's muted. pretty muted. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm. We just did this Alpines of Origins. I don't know if you can look it up, but we did this safety green. And this was like two years ago we worked on this. But I, I love a vibrancy like this color. Of, mm. You know, we we specialize, obviously, as the North Face does um, in visibility. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we we look at the, the coloring of visibility. We've been doing this since the day we started from Summit Gold to TNF Red to TNF mm. Blue. You know, all these colors work really well. Um, for function use on top of mountain. So, mm-hmm. and they became our icon colors, but then it's like, you know, how do you take the wheel and kind of start doing other things? So we have this color called chlorophyll green that we've ran in the past. It's a great this color and the safety green, um, different types of yellows, but I go to, I, yeah, I like some of these viz colors off of some of the muted palettes that you oh, wear, wow. like, um, chlorophyll green I'll push it here and there. <laughs> yeah um it kind of reminds me the uh the like pops of color um the arteric system a drop that just came out that like beige kind of jacket that's got like the the like high vis um like neon green or yellow um kind of similar to this the alpine of origin one on like the shoulder pad and on like the the accents and stuff um yeah, just that, that same kind of same kind of vibe, you know. I think it's coming back too, honestly. The the more more like not not necessarily neon. We're not going back to like 2012, but like <laughs> the the tasteful neon. Kind of like what I related it to. Um, I don't know if I did it on a podcast or to my friends, but um, it reminds me a lot of like soccer cleats. When I was growing up, I was big into soccer, and that's like. Honestly, that's kind of how I got my start in clothing in general was caring about the cleats that I had and what they look like and stuff. Cause I didn't care about anything else like clothing wise. I just cared about the cool cleats that I had. Um, yeah. And like, if you look up like the Nike Magista, they released this cleat during the world cup in 2014. That was just crazy. It was, it's a bright yellow cleat with like red and black on it. And that just kind of sparked my curiosity. And I just got a tons of pairs of those, but like, that neon pop with like very dull like blacks and grays and greens and stuff um 
I don't know. It's just giving me the same vibes. Maybe I'm the only person that thinks that, but look up the Magista no, I, and I, tell me what you think. I think, yeah. there's, I think from any kind of outdoor brand, like they obviously have the special invisibility color. So neon is part of it. It's how do you, how do you, you then put like kind of the style filter on it and how it shows up. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's an, a natural performance approach to it that may read more stylistically and more cool factor and legit yeah. when you buy it from a performance brand. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think if it's functional, it's timeless to me, you know? So if it's something mm-hmm. that is, has a purpose and a need, it's timeless to me, whether you're off or on mountain. Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of like, I mean, every old school hiking magazine catalog, shout out, well, shout out outdoor rec archives, like everything they post, all the fits are just so cool. Or like even seeing, uh, um, oh man, Robin Williams in old, like North face gear, old ACG, you know, he used to wear that kind of stuff. And, um, just seeing all those outfits and all the colors and all of the, like what you said, the versatility, the functionality of it all, just lots of straps and pockets and stuff. It's always good to be aesthetically pleasing, especially if it's good at doing what it portrays itself as. Exactly. Yeah. Cool stuff. Well, right. We will move on to your future now. Um, The future of nylon for you. What's it, what's it all going to be about? Where do you see maybe your personal style going? If you feel like you haven't fully evolved, where do you think you see mainstream style or the Gorp core scene in general? Give me, give me some opinions. Yeah, I think however you want to tag it, I think the, the outdoor influence isn't going away. And I Mm -hmm. think the beauty of what's surfaced, you know, in the last few years and, what you're doing and what you're seeing through social channels and how things are being curated is to me in its own art form, it's kind of more relevant than when you had um, people looking at fashion. I don't think people look at fashion the way they look at fashion. They did 10, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's something, something that triggered me to leave the industry to go into more purposeful utilitarian building garments to last that don't end up in a landfill, having them serve a function, um, which gives you to your earlier statement, aesthetic mm-hmm. timelessness. So I would say, you know, I see the future being, you know, really important to have those purpose filters of, you know, environmental, we make too many fucking clothes. Um, do you need mm-hmm. that many clothes, like build garments that are going to last and stay in your closet, you know, for 20, 30 years, I agree. um, the outdoor, you know, function to me is timeless. If it's done right. And I think, um, I think people are in the mindset of if they're going to buy, buy something of quality that mm-hmm. has intent and it's not coming from a place of virgin materials rather than it's recycled and will also be built to last and function for them for years to come and something they wouldn't necessarily just give away after one season. So if that makes sense, you know, I think the the capture there is just um, 
function utility purpose led type of product that Alton form style because it's ingrained in how it's built. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking on that also, I feel like a lot of these companies that are in the space, um, at least that I occupy, uh, you know, North face and other brands, um, they all, you know, they do build product that lasts. Um, and even my mom, uh, has a jacket I've talked about before. It's some brand. It doesn't even exist anymore, but the jacket is still around. You know, the, the jacket outlived the brand itself. That's how, you know, that's how much they yeah. cared about the product. And exactly. I think, you know, you see, you know, you see the vintage, you see the vintage, uh, North face jackets going on, on like grailed even, but they're on eBay. They're on Yahoo Ox in Japan. Like you see these garments have lasted for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, cause they're designed by companies that care about the outdoors and care about making products that let people get outside and enjoy it, you know? Um, so I think that's, I think that's something that right now there's a huge fast fashion wave and I think it's dying out a little bit, but it had a huge moment. Um, Shein and Zara and H and M, like all those had like a big moment maybe like a year, two years ago. Um, and I just, it's awful what all of what, what that does to the planet and also to just, um, on a smaller scale, like style and fashion, I guess. Um, so it's nice to see, it'd be nice to see other companies start to care a little bit more about making things that last instead of trying to trend top as much. But I, know. Yeah, and I think they have to, I mean, I know they're making bigger strides to do that. The bigger fast fashion companies that are being more thoughtful and, hopefully not greenwashing. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's the other thing you had to watch out for. So I, I do think like the consumer now and people who care what they purchase, they want to know, they want to have that transparency of how this garment's made and mm-hmm. where, from where. Um, but yeah, I think um, everyone has to act up and be better. You know, we, at the end of the day, I'm in the business, so I do have to mm-hmm. you know, push forward, but there's ways to do it where, it's way more environmentally friendly and um, serves a need. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I've brought this up a few times, but just like, you know, you got to make money in this society. We just, it's like you have, if you want to survive, unless you want to go live off the grid and not entertain the idea of society, you have to have money and you know, you're just making money, but you and a lot of other people, like you are in the position to actually make a difference. So it's nice to hear someone who's in that position to be like, yeah, well, a big, a big problem to me is the um, waste of product or the, the overconsumption of product. Um, just, just, it's nice to hear. And I don't know if uh, any, anyone corporate with some of these companies would be like, you know, the guys in the suits would be like, oh yes, we need to produce less um, and focus on saving the planet, but it's nice to hear other people say, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I, I, I think you'd be surprised like what, with North face, that's just, you know, what, how we started from the beginning. If you look at the original founder, mm-hmm. Doug Tompkins to have club, you know, they were all about protecting the environment because, you know, you're working for a brand that's an outdoor brand that explores and wants to go to all these beautiful places. And I think, um, yeah it's embedded in our, in our culture. Yes. We, we grow as a company and we produce more, but we've always had different filters and reasons why, um, in a warranty program. And, you know, the, the model from him was like, 
build something that won't end up in a landfill. And I mm-hmm. think um, that still resonates from 50 years ago to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love to see it truly. I do. Um, just as a consumer, a conscious consumer, as conscious as you can be. Um, you talked about, I guess we kind of hit everything where, I mean, do you, do you think you're kind of done evolving your style or do you see any big changes in like mainstream style or anything like that, that you might, you might want to want to put out a little marker on? No, I think, I mean, I think I've always been in the mindset of, you know, current and feeling, you know, connected. I've never been one to buy into anything luxury or fashion. I've always had more of a, you know, utilitarian approach to what I buy. Like, mm-hmm. will it serve a need? Will it last? I know that sounds boring, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't even you know, I don't wear any of the collab stuff that has more sort of a, a broader expression of print or graphic or logo. I I like things to be more covert. Um, so I think as I get older, I just become more uniform in a covert way, but contemporary in the way it, you know, shows up as far as silhouettes and color choices. Well, that's actually your talking about not wearing collabs and being more covert and all that that leads me into my first question actually brandon c nahara wants to know how did the gucci north face collab happen now we're going to jump into questions as well that was my, my Great. beautiful segue um yeah uh good question it started when we started building our archive and when i came on board about four and a half years ago we didn't really have a archive that was in one area that we um could reference or collect Mm -hmm. or um capture from some of the four founders that would come and do q a's and athletes and we started building that and we we got into this whole chapter what we call chapter one and that's from our inception time of like the 60s and 70s and you you get this um beautiful like capture of what outdoors was about back then and you know there's like the post kind of hippie vietnam war approach and the importance of nature there's also like a whimsical you know and music influence part and all of that sort of resonated well with what we were doing and it you know with gucci approaching us we we try to find North star parallels that connect. So Alessandro was really um, moved by, you know, historically like what the brand stood for from the 60s, 70s era. And that, that gave us a platform to show, um, you know, how long this brand has been around. You know, a lot of people reference like a lot of the nineties icons that North Face has done, but there's a whole decade and a half before that, that generated a lot of interesting movements and a reason why this brand has staying power because you know what it stands for um so yeah that that connectivity between um they reached out to us and they they loved you know the vibe of the 60s and 70s that we we built um and that was the connection very nice so so was it like a joint effort of pulling things out of the archive or did like 
Gucci come to you with, Hey, like, look at this jacket and like the tent and all that. We like this, or was it you kind of presenting ideas and them saying, this is awesome. Let's, let's make something. Uh, I would say it's more about just giving them exposure to what we do and what we've done in the past and sending mm-hmm. them our archive. And honestly, Alessandro and the team just loved, you know, the functionality and what purpose it had from back then. And they mm-hmm. just did a lot of the styles that we did for the partnership were reissues. So, you know, there are tweaks here and there and, um, but a lot of the styles from that era, like the Sierra Parka, the North Face Parka, the Kagul, like those are all part of our archive. Um, so yeah, we basically just, you know, sent them our full archive of those mm-hmm. styles and, you know, brought it in with, you know, his creative direction. Very nice. Um, joint collaborative effort. Well, I like to see that because, um, you don't really think about, I guess not really anymore. Yeah, I didn't used to think about like the Gucci North Face thing was kind of out of left field in my mind. Cause like, wow, just two very opposite ends of the spectrum collaborating on something. And it was cool to see. Um, I feel like it's, yeah. Like I think out of opposite ends is really the best way to put it. Um, Cause you got the high fashion house, you know, working with not, I guess, mainstream street style athleisure style it just seems like two different worlds colliding which was cool to see in like yeah. in theory i don't know if in theory is the right word but in uh yeah in theory i guess that's a cool that's a cool concept yeah no it's it's um it was definitely unexpected and we didn't know the reception of how it would come out but i know like the story is so rooted in authenticity of that, that first chapter when we first, the first collab came out, it was, you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival were part of the North Face culture because they were right next door to the factory and studio in Berkeley, mm-hmm. you know, and they played that music with the campaign and then they showed like all these reissues again, like the Sierra Parka and the Best yeah. and the Kagul, the North Face Parka, like, it was incredible to see just all this come to life. And I think the beauty of that is that you get this big platform to show the breadth of this brand. Like it's such an Mm. incredible brand and so much history. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that we have that or didn't know we had that older chapter. I think it just brought, you know, an essence of that. And if you look at those catalogs, if you ever have access to them, um, I know some people post like images from the North States catalogs from, beautifully shot like Ansel Adam photos or whimsical mm-hmm. sort of photo shoots. It's just the best of the best uh, out of everyone from that era was a lot of it was coming from North Face. So it's nice to see that surface in a new way and um, just reinstate, you know, why this brand is resilient. Next up for you, we have, let's see, we can say on the, we can say on the collab, collab train for a while. Veni Vici. No. Oh gosh. Vinny Vidi Vici, lol. <laughs> you want to ask why so many Supreme collabs? Sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> do you want me to repeat the name again or the question? I don't know if I can do the no, name. I don't think you can do the name. <laughs> <laughs> the question was why so many Supreme collabs? 
Uh, well, that kind of started that kind of started before I joined, but I think what um, Supreme has done and does it basically started a lot of this, um, you know, introduction to what the North Face has done in the past, and it's legit, and it's connection to the the New York consumer. Mm-hmm. And those culture shifts that have happened, you know, those nineties moments and even above and beyond that. So I think what's great about that is that it reinstates this whole authenticity of, you know, you know, the function part of North face, you know, a lot of people forget about or did at times that these things save lives, these products that we built save athletes mm-hmm. lives. That's why they're built. Mm-hmm. And, um, when they're reintroduced in more of a collab or off mountain approach that, you know, people in the city have adopted. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me because, you know, you get those crazy cold winters in New York and you know why mm-hmm. people, you know, sought out the North face in the nineties and what it did in that protection mode, but also the stylistic like way of how the logo showed up and, you know, the blocking and the colors and it's all icons now. And I think, Supreme just reinstated a lot of that and our partnership with them. They really just, you know, James who heads up Supreme has such a respect for the brand and he, they always pitch things that are just really well done and Mm -hmm. just, you know, from a a huge respect of loving the brand. And it's um, just been something that just works. And, you know, there's not one moment when, a drop comes out and it's gone in seconds. It's just fascinating to me. Like <laughs> the audience that, you know, subscribes to it. And I mean, that whole scarcity model too is probably part of that. I mean, I think yeah. Supreme started all that, right. You know, you look at the, the new gap, yay, Balenciaga thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, that's just the that Supreme model, well. you know, and I think, um, it's just worked really well. So that's why we um, continue just to have a, a great relationship with them. And it just, you know, they enhance things that from the past and bring a different perspective on it. Sorry. Sorry for um, answering just one part of your uh, monologue, but how do you even buy the gap? Yay. Or the easy gap engineered by Balenciaga stuff. Cause I only, I don't see it on the website. I only see it like pre-order on farfetch.com. I have no idea. Uh, oh, I think you have to sign up. And then when you sign up, you get an alert and then they alert mm-hmm. you and then you shop yeah. from the site. And then Interesting. I think everything's sold it's, out. It's like how, how they do Yeezys. Yeah. yeah. Like the 350 supply and all that. Now I, um, I've had during all my years as a hype beast, I never got a single Yeezy. Um, I just had the absolute worst luck when it came to that website and that um, type of, drop i guess with the you know queue and all that but a little disillusioned i don't i don't think i'll ever get any of this stuff anyway but uh wow it is kind of crazy uh i have no do you have any idea why if we're talking about collabs why yay would want to work with gap and balenciaga of all two brands oh well are we talking about him or me uh 
Me, yeah, we talk about both. Why, why, why would you think about with it? Them because his relationship with Demna, Demna worked for him, and then they have this strong relationship. So it's the Demna, he, you know, I think it's just embedded in. But why his gap approach. is my question. Why bring because like? He, why bring that into it? He wants to reach. He wants to reach a wide audience. He doesn't want to be reaching just a, a top percentage. He wants to be able to push his intent for everyone to afford it. You know, like he related to how he was growing up and even how I was growing up to a degree, like you couldn't always mm-hmm. buy those unique expensive pieces. And how do you make creative product intent with accessibility? And I think right. um, that's why he chose Gap. You know, he wanted something that could reach a wide audience at a price point that wasn't designer and out of reach. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, Uh The shirts are $150 (laughs) or $170. I I like that. I understand that. They're not the $550 designer price from Balenciaga. It's less than Balenciaga, but like still. It's less than Balenciaga. It's not quite fast fashion price, but it's still, I think it's still an accessible window. Really? You th- you think that's still accessible? Well, it depends on. <laughs> I mean, maybe if maybe if you work at North Face, but if you just got a podcast, I don't know if I'm going to drop 170 dollars on a shirt. I'll be honest, that's not yeah. accessible. Is like 50 dollars max probably is my accessible range for me. Well, <laughs> that, that's just me. There you, that, go, I, there you go, Zara. I don't. Yeah, no, 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 no. Zara is like seven dollars for a shirt. I'm talking, I think $50 for a shirt is um, still up there. I don't, I don't think the normal consumer would even pay that much. Cause like talking to my friends, when I, when I bring out like, uh, I don't know, Supreme tea, I mean, Supreme tea is like 25 bucks. I have like uh, the Nike off-white, like mercurial project they did. I've got one of their shirts from that. And that was like 70 bucks. And when I tell people that they're just like jaw drops. Um, and I don't have any friends that are like into clothing like that. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I I like the I like the vision, of course. I think that's a great idea. Make clothing accessible. Make like very cool clothing accessible to people. And I understand, you know, you gotta, you don't want to have slave labor making it. You want to pay people, designers, wages, and all that. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, how do you balance that out? Do you do you cut off a profit margin or do you take a shortcut? But, um, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that was his uh, vision with it all. What is a price point you can afford in the outdoor market? Like what brands are at your price point? Well, see, outdoor market's a little bit different because with the outdoor market, I'll pay um, like $100 for a pair of pants because I know that these pair of pants was made to last for a while. Or like I'll pay $400 for a rain jacket because I know I'm just going to need one rain jacket and I know it's going to last me a long time. But like t-shirts, it's like I have a ton of t-shirts and I probably have too many t-shirts. Um, according to Patrick Stangby, you only need 10. <laughs> I've got a few more than 10. Um, but I mean, like a, a t-shirt is different because spending spending $170 on a t-shirt, you have one t-shirt and you just spent like almost $200 on that. You know, uh, people need more than one t-shirt. Wait, Patrick only has 10 t-shirts? That's what he said. He told me he only has oh, 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I envy that because I, yeah. I mean, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I might not be able to get away with it because I uh, 
I live in an area where it gets a little bit warmer than Oslo, but, uh, well, there is yeah. someone taught me a method of like, you should be able to wear all your clothes within two weeks. Really? And if you don't wear them, you shouldn't have them, <laughs> you know, like you wear them yeah. day to day. You have it all sort of in your closet. If it's a small amount, you should be able to wear them within that wear two, all week your clothes in two weeks. Yeah. That's Except, you know, obviously seasonal things, but yeah. Yeah whatever's in season wear it all within two weeks that's a good idea i have i will say i keep a lot of um it's made it's got a, it's just t-shirts i keep a lot of t-shirts just for like sentimental reasons you know like oh this is like from the camp i used to go to or this is like i have the first the first kith shirt i ever got uh, i don't wear it it's uh let me i'll just show you it's this kith treats shirt just bright yeah, yellow <laughs> bright yellow um but it's the first one i ever bought and it was like when i when i first got into the street worth scene i uh i told myself i want i like made a list of brands and i was like these are the brands i want to buy something from just because like they're popular and i like what they do and this was the first thing i could get from kith <laughs> um uh, i wore it too for a while um back when i was on my like golf the floor tyler creator type beat but not anymore, as you can kind of tell by my uh, my color pop being dark red or purple. I like that. I like that philosophy. Wear all your clothes in two weeks. I might I might have to get rid of some clothes then. Not this one, of course, but something. <laughs> something will go. Something will give. Or I'll just like put it in storage, and I just won't have it in my closet. Again, storage. Like when you're going to go to it. But I mean, I'm all. Sentiment- I'll make a quilt. I make a quote of all the I'm t-shirts. I'm guilty as you are, but I I've, I've been in this mindset of trying to be better at you know mm. you don't wear it, get rid of it, donate it, yeah, um, sell it, sell it, put it back into the market. Yeah, that's a that's a common thread throughout the podcast as well of like, uh, don't overconsume. You know, uh, buy things secondhand, or even uh, Rory Griffin. He had a very good point about um, like if you get into fashion or really anything and you start with a lot of money and you start with like the best top of the line, whatever it is, gear, clothing, whatever it is, you start with the top. You're never really going to develop because you've already had the best and you don't want to go like down to the bottom and try to work your way up. So like if you start with nothing and you're like, you're just fantasizing about buying the next jacket or the next pair of pants or shoes or whatever, then you can start looking at, you know, alternatives and you start thinking about colors and you have a lot more time to think about that big purchase. And then you kind of develop your own style along the way you develop a better appreciation for it. So I think that's a good mindset to have, um, with clothing as well. You know, you don't need to have it all. You can kind of just work from the bottom and not overconsume. get rid of stuff by donating or by selling it or whatever not just throwing it away, you know? I agree more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we'll get back to the questions now. What is your favorite aspect of your job at the North Face? This is from Jake White. I think my favorite aspect is the ability to work with a broad creative team mm-hmm. that comes from different backgrounds and you know with the north face born on the mountain athlete tested expedition proven is an approach we have throughout the brand on and off mountain 
but we bring such a vast wide team here that is from all around the world. And I think this brand just resonates with so many different people. So I just love being able to mentor or bring them to the next level and career path them. So I really jive on, you know, connecting with my team. Um, I also love the history of this brand, but also, you know, what we're pushing forward in the future. So Mm -hmm. yeah, those are, those are two key things I love in my job. Awesome. Um, Speaking on some things you love, what part of the brand are you most proud of? Here we go. Particular article, clothing, or whole lines? Um, It's kind of two questions, but well, we can talk about the clothing. We can, we do do that question since you kind of mentioned already. Um, Yeah. So article of clothing or a whole line, what's your, what are you most proud of? Oh, so much. (laughs) I would say, correct answer. I think there's uh, elements of function needs that go back to our earlier conversation of things that last. So a lot of the series product that the team has built and worked on and coming in and bringing a a style filter on technical product that is built to last, but also complements the athletes ask of wanting style forward product on the mountain, but also function. I think some of that comes through. So say, you know, um, any of the series product, I think, Mm-hmm. is is remarkably done you know from the amk kits to the summit and steep product um really remarkably done like best in class and yeah i think i think that's that's pretty compelling i did like this one drop we did with dover street market from a mm. strategic partner approach of basically taking our icons like our five icons and doing them in a monochrome black element from our, our geodesic dome tent to our hymn suit, mm-hmm. to our Nupsi, to our mountain jacket, to our Denali. That was pretty incredible to just see like a one note approach. Um, yeah. Very minimalist compared to, you know, red, blue, yellow, Nupsi yeah, jacket. Exactly. So your answer is everything. And that's good. <laughs> not everything but mainly the the purpose-led function product that you know you know is probably higher price point but will stand the test of time yeah yeah nice final question i got for you is what's the best way for creatives who want to work with tim slash north face to reach out yeah just reach out direct through instagram linkedin or um, try those two paths. Try those two paths. And I think, actually, I think on LinkedIn, you are, uh, we talked about this last time. Did you did you change your settings no. so that, okay. <laughs> so Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, you have it set right now to where you need a VIP access to message you. <laughs> on Instagram as well? No, no. Instagram is fine. Uh, Instagram is fine. Okay. I wouldn't have been able to talk to you if, if that was a blocked off thing. Although I think you followed me first. See, I think you followed. Yeah, you've got you've got your uh, you're in you're or in the did mix I block for sure. You first, oh, 
<laughs> you might have you might have blocked me honestly <laughs> and i just was trying to find your page i had to go through a lot of channels to get this guy on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i had to pull some strings i had to uh, sell part of my soul See, that, to the that persistency in you you're gonna get mm-hmm. you're gonna get places that way keep, keep at it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I only have so much of my soul to give, but I'll give it out. I'll give it out. Yeah. I'm persistent. Um, yeah, so reach reach out through Instagram. Uh, get in touch. Um, that's all the questions I have for you now. So Great. do you have anything else you'd like to add before we do just a couple of shout outs? No, it's been uh, a fantastic uh, conversation. Thank you for coming back at me. I know we had to come at this a few times so no i don't know what you're talking about this is the first time we've ever recorded this there you go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so here just give me give me like three pages that you enjoy or you think the people would enjoy um that you'd like to shout out i will do the same um you can take all the time you need as well i love patrick's i love patrick's that you just interviewed he's yeah he's such a great uh you know, kind of North star influencer and just connects the dots really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Elho is a great page. Um, mm-hmm. that's incredible curation. Like I just, I love his imagery. Um, and then I don't know who else, the third page. Uh, Oh, I love what you sent me on the Gorp core girls. I think that's great. I love. Oh yeah. Gorp girls. Momentum. Yeah. With the momentum there gaining and just, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, there needs to be more of a balance of, you know, diversity and inclusion in the outdoors. So I'm excited to see what they're doing. Absolutely. Shout out to them. I'm a little, little, uh, teaser. Hannah De Silva has agreed to come on. So that episode right. will be out eventually. I haven't even recorded it yet, but we have a date set. So look out for that one. Yeah, those uh, are the first three that come to mind, but I know nice. you wanted me to shout you out, but we're talking. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that that's just like, I'll just, I'll wire you some money and you can just um, do that on your story at some point. <laughs> After you sell that Kith t-shirt, I'll take the- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll use the profit from that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to shout out Taka Kasuga. Um, great guy. Heard a lot of good things about him um come on the podcast uh shout out oh if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about uh diversity in the outdoor scene marlon patrice who uh runs we go outside too love that That yeah love that guy also in talks with him to get him on the pod bark on wood um it is an account run by Maria Olvang or Olwang. Um, and she posts a bunch of picture of bark and flowers and insects and stuff. And also she makes these like crocheted sweaters that only cover your arms that are interesting. Um, so shout out to her and that account. Um, yeah, those are, those will be my, my three shout outs for the day as well. It's getting harder. I'm not going to lie. It's getting harder every time to uh, to shout these people out because I just feel like I've shouted out everyone by this point, and I don't want to like repeat names that other people have told me. Well, maybe you're inspiring more people to start pages. So that's true. Let me know. Let me know if I inspired you, and I'll shout you out on the podcast, and you'll be one of the next three. 
I have to start posting them because I got um believe it or not, I got hacked twice. Really? Twice. And they wipe, yeah, they wipe your account clean, which is crazy. So oh, that sucks. Uh, well, you, you have the same account still, right? I've been I've been DMing yeah, your account. account. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, this is a, a few months back, but anyway. Okay. All right, thank you. Man. Well, really this, was, this is a, a great conversation. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on for the first time, definitely, and having a little chat with me. All right, All take right. it easy. I'll talk to you later. later.